You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Place Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was laughing because it was just like, you know, bro, like, you know, God, God always got a plan. In that moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. The Egyptian creation story is a very sexual one. Mm -hmm. And it talks of the god creating himself through a sexual act with himself. So it's a masturbatory big bang like I never even hire coaches when I establish a program. I always hire mentors first. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because a mentor gets the big picture. Coach might just get basketball. I want somebody that under X's and I want somebody that's about whole life. I'm not the only podcaster out there. You're not the only marketer out there. Like there's a lot of people doing the same things. But the things that's going to separate you and I from the rest of the people is that we become our best selves and we just don't quit. So what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. What up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the building, whipping it up, and I have my brother from another. He's back, not for the first time. He's back like he never left. My guy, Emmanuel Solomon. What's up, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? How you doing today? I'm I'm good, man. How you feeling, bro? Man, feeling every way that you can feel in the pandemic, not knowing what to do, being black, in a, uh, you know. But you know, you just you just kind of adjust. You do what you can. I feel you, man. I feel you. Well, I, I must say, with all uh, the respect and all the the pauses, man, you're looking good, bro. You got a fresh cut. You Thanks, know, I'm bro. a little jealous. My my uh my barber appointment ain't till later on in the week, so you know I, I can't be as fresh as you today, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You know, I'm trying to trying to stay clean, do a new bachelor, so we'll see. No doubt, man. Bro, tell the folks what you've been up to, man. It's been a long time since you've been on the pod. I mean, we did yeah. we did white man's religion. That was episodes like in the twenties. So that was three two, years, two years ago. ago. Oh, okay. 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 Three years ago, bro. So um keep people up to speed on what you've been up to business wise, um, uh, professionally, all, all that good stuff. Yeah, man. So uh, if you don't know me, my name is Emmanuel Solomon, the people man with Emmanuel Solomon training and coaching. I'm a interpersonal or people skills coach for high performing professionals of color. I help them to promote and reposition through uh, what I call cultural, emotional intelligence. So I've been doing that for a while, just helping folks to understand um, 
how to navigate uh, different spaces professionally and personally without losing your culture and your uh, identity in the process. So um, I'm basically teaching uh, emotional intelligence skills through a cultural lens. So, you know, how, to, how do you connect with people? How do you um, yeah, regulate your emotions? How do you um, uh, speak to power? How do you, you know, have these, like, these tough conversations, both with people and those conversations that you should be having with yourself? And so that's that interpersonal dynamic that I really focus on. For sure, for sure, man. Yeah. And you've been you've been putting in work, and you know, as if, if folks have been following us on the socials or know us personally, they know that um, you know what what we do is is very intertwined. Uh, we were privileged to um, to really like get the game from our good friend Nee Sabomahin helped us with our coaching and our and our strategy and our philosophy and all of that. Um, and ever since then, and, you know, when we was cooking up with Tyler and all that, it's, it's amazing. Like the, the folks that we connect with our, our friends that are doing similar things and, um, everybody's businesses are just blossoming and flourishing, bro. So it's a beautiful thing to see. It is, it is definitely. man. And, uh, it's it's exciting journey. Um, you know, the, the, if you guys ever want to check out, um, what I'm doing, you can also go to like Emmanuel Solomon uh dot com is my website and then also uh navigating whiteness.com um and that, i'm excited about that because we've been really kind of going through that first initial understanding of how to navigate whiteness both in your mind and body and on a professional level like so yeah i'm, I'm excited about that and, and it seems like bro you've been just uh you know killing it with your with your business and taking yours to the next level and um so i'm excited for you man no doubt, bro. I appreciate it. Likewise, man. We just, we in the beginning stages, man. This is a, it's, it's really fun. It's crazy to see, you know, how far we've come and, and how much far we have to go now that we just burst on the scene and just seeing the opportunity out there, bro. So, um, but speaking of whiteness, speaking of whiteness, we are going to touch on that. <laughs> We're going to touch on that today, man. So I watched this video. First of all, I seen a clip of uh, Professor Baina Bello. It, I think it was on Instagram. And I think it was like either Black History Unlocked or one of those amazing Black History pages on, on Instagram. Okay. And I seen her speak and I was just like, oh, wee, she's hitting on some points. So the, the first, so we're gonna, and then I watched the whole video, it was like an hour. It was actually a part two, I haven't gotten to that because I've been I've been so enamored with part one. So, you know, as, as you already know, E, but everyone that's listening and watching, we're gonna break down bits and pieces of her video of her um, of her speech that she gave. I don't know what year she gave it, um, but she gave it, it looks like the nineties or something like that. But she was she was talking about the Haitian revolution and what Haiti stands for and how it's been uh, co-opted and corrupted the whole mission of Haiti, so on and so forth. But I love how she talks. She's like the Haitian version of Francis Crest Welsing. I don't know if she has a, <laughs> a psychiatry degree, but the way that she talks, the passion, the calmness, um, and how direct she is. Now she doesn't hold any punches when it comes to speaking about racism, white supremacy, and just whiteness uh, in, in totality, bro. So that's what we're gonna get into. Um, before we get into the video, before we get into the clips, any things, any initial ideas, revelations that you got from her as you watched the, the video, E? Mm. Well, one thing I was thinking about is like, uh, you know, I've been thinking about relationships and 
black men and black women and how um, certain black women kind of uh, step in and they understand, I don't want to say privilege, but they, they take a big brunt and speak in a particular way because they understand that, you know, the black man is actually being targeted with the most severe uh, forms of violence. And so mm. with them saying like, you know, if my man were to say the exact same things as I'm saying, uh, he would be taken out ASAP. So mm. even with even that recognition of being a woman, like women can, uh, and I'm talking about black women, black women can, can stand in the gap in certain areas and women have that ability anyway, which is like to, to be able to have conversations and calm things down with different people. Like they can go, like you can have a good, a good woman can, can talk to a crip and a blood and, and, and have them like, you know, like be like, Hey, you know, like uh, Terrence, you need to just relax on Terrence. You know, y'all grew up together, da, 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 da. Have them go yeah. and sit down, and, and you know, where 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 a black man that would be told that that that'd be hard to do, but you know, that yeah, using yeah. her feminine energy and her and her ability to be able to connect, and so she's uh, you know doing the same thing, but in a revolutionary sense. And I think you see like some of these black women revolutionaries, they're they're going, they're they're speaking with, to the full gamut you know, in, in a way that maybe a black man could not speak to mm -hmm. uh, without getting the same type of uh, ridicule. So I think that's just tight when someone recognizes their their position and maybe um, their their privilege and also their purpose. Oh, that was good. Mm -hmm. I might have to do a, a, a talk on, on position, uh, uh, privilege and purpose. But yeah, that's that's just huge to me because she's standing in that essence to where man like maybe maybe we couldn't do that in, in our full entirety so yeah that was my thought mm -hmm. no doubt bro no doubt that's that's great and great segue into miss Bayana bello let's get into this clip <laughs> Seriously, the first war has to be the war on self. You and me and him and she and her and him need to know the white man is living inside of you. He is in your mind. With every book you studied in school, he snuffed inside the tiniest little crawl, the little fit in your head. And I don't know, maybe he has even entered our soul. We need to investigate. But we have a mission. The first mission, before you and I can get together, you need to get together with yourself, armed as armed as you can get with the best weapon, the highest, most up to the point technology weapon and go out and get this white man out of your brain. 
Mm, mm, mm. So much fire. So much fire, bro. Man, she said we need to investigate. Now, that's one of the things that I say when it, you know, when I teach my course, Know Your Enemy, the Evolution of Racism, uh, and, and we're getting into counter-racist strategies. And just even before we get to the strategies, one thing I tell folks, because when people think about racism and white supremacy, they're always thinking about somebody else. They're always thinking about, oh, this person and that personality and Trump and the Republicans and so on and so forth, Biden. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to racism, and that's why I say know your enemy, because it's an ideology and the ideology, if it lives inside you, you can't fight anybody else if you're under attack subconsciously or you're attacking people subconsciously because you don't know that that white man and that idea and that ideology of whiteness is still coming out of you and and perpetuating the systems that you claim to fight against. So I love how she just put it so bluntly and so plainly. You know what I mean? We got to get that white man, that ideal, that ideology of whiteness out of our minds. We have to investigate. When did he enter our mind? Did he, did he potentially enter our souls? And uh, ironic enough, as you know, once again, you came on, we talked about the white man's religion and we were kind of arguing that Christianity is, is not the white man's religion, but you know, a further look upon history, we see what they did. I might, I might disagree now, years later. I might, I, I might yeah, oh. agree it's the white man's religion, even though uh, there's a few more things, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to. Yeah, nah, nah. So it's it's ironic how we, we connected on that uh, episode and now we're coming back and you know, just just upon further review and, and looking at history, um, you know, the white man entered our soul through religion. Mm. You know, I mean, we, you know, if, if the white man is if, if, if Jesus is God and that's who we answer to. Then in our soul. The white man that looks like him, that blonde hair, blue eyed, docile, whatever looking person. Anytime we see a man that looked like that or a, a woman, oh man, that's Jesus' daughter. He, she, she could be related to Jesus. She could be related to God. I got to respect them. I got to treat them with a certain type of reverence. I can't talk to them any type of way because that's godliness right there. You know, so, um, so many thoughts come to mind. I don't want to hog the floor, man. Go ahead and, and hop in with your, with your thoughts. Yeah. So like, if we're, are we, are we talking about the white man's religion for a second before we get into we can talk about whatever, whatever aspect, there's a lot of talk about with that, with that clip. Okay. So first thing I think about, man, and I, I, this, I own this, this is do your chores before you go outside, man. They tell you this when you're a little kid. Like you can't go outside until you do your chores, period. Right. It's like it's like that is the foundation that creates real men and real women. It's like mm-hmm. do your work first before you tell anybody else to do anything else. That's also a leadership principle and everything else. And she mm-hmm. and what you're saying and what she's saying is the same thing. It's like you got to do that inner work before you start fighting the power. Fight the yeah. power in your own mind. Like right. fight the power in your own mind first, and then you can have, uh, then you can have some, some type of clarity when you're trying to trying to problem solve. Because I think I think it comes from, I think it comes from you know uh, some protection that we have in our own minds, and this is really important. Uh, point, uh, 
I'm gonna write that down protection. But um, I tell when I'm teaching my class, I, I say we're not in our right minds. We're in our white minds. It's like <laughs> you, 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 we, we're not starting. We're not starting uh, with this clean slate. We're not starting mm-hmm. like we're not starting with 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 a mind that's just just not tampered with or not mm-hmm. not altered. Like no, we're already genetically altered. Like post traumatic slave syndrome, we're already tainted. We're soaked in whiteness. Like we're starting mm-hmm. out in this place to where we're like towards the end of the book. You get what I'm saying? And and, and, mm-hmm. and so like. We've got to like do that inner work in our own minds. Like white people have invaded our minds, our conditioning, our our uh, how we see the world is white. Mm-hmm. And, and if we can't get to that point to where we can be humble enough to say like, dang, it's in me too, not just in in the oppressor, then mm-hmm. then you just gonna start like you said, you're gonna subconsciously keep feeding the system what it wants. You're just you're just gonna live your daily life. And what, what white supremacy will do is like, they'll give you little cookies and carrots and, and little treats to make you feel like you're actually fighting the system, but you're actually perpetuating it. And it just it gives you your little cookie, gives you your little, oh, I got the Black Lives Matter. I, I talked to a white person aggressively today, but I said, please, you know, first, <laughs> you know, like we, we, we keep coming to these places. I'm just like, man, we got to stop that. Like, it's got to got to do that inner work like hmm like what's my mind what, what what what's white in my own mind and when i started to come to that that's when i was like dang i be thinking white i am talking white i am thinking white yeah my religion is white <laughs> like how i think about money is white mm. how i think about my women is white Mm. like whoa like how I, how I think about success and we're going to get into that later but how I think about success and certain accomplishments and you know what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's wrong just basic stuff yeah, yeah. it's just yeah bro I, I like how you said we don't we don't start with a clean slate we already tainted that's real that's real and that's one thing that she said she's like if we want to come together as a people you first got to come together with yourself mm-hmm. and you, you just, and at the end of the day, you have to be honest with yourself and yeah. you have to do a thorough review. And that's why I, once again, just call it know your enemy because, and, and it, it comes from the quote from Sun Tzu. If you know yourself and you know your enemy, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not your enemy for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither yourself nor your, nor your enemy, you will succumb in every battle. Now, most of us is in the middle where we know ourselves, but we don't know our enemy. So for every victory gained, we'll also suffer defeat. That's why you got to know what whiteness is. But also, mm-hmm. we take for granted that all of us know ourselves just because you've been yourself your whole life. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I've started to learn is that I don't fully know who I am unless I know what made me. And so part of that is my ancestors, but part of that is the system, like what you're saying and what she's saying. We got to review what we've been enculturated in and what we've been saturated in. And we have to un- we have to unlearn. Mm-hmm. We have to detach. 
we have to disassociate mentally and spiritually and we have to start over and that's the hardest part Ooh. you got to start over yes you got to start over you got you got to start from scratch and you got to start creating your own norms and your own standards and your own ways of living yeah. you got to create your own truth or your own standard of truth your own standard of accomplishment your own standard of family your own standard of community all of that you have to recreate you have to do it we have to do it that is the hardest task for us as black folks in america we have to start from scratch mm -hmm. we got to take our history in, in, into account we got to take our intergenerational trauma into account we got to yeah. take our in institutionalized racism and the personal trauma we got to take all of that into account and we got to start over bro I i'm gonna take another thing from from what uh from a quote from uh what what i talk about a lot is mm -hmm. we don't start at zero we start at white and mm. and so mm. like, when people are not like when when i really started to understand that like that's where i had to start over. i i mm. it forced me to because mm -hmm. like when you really conceptualize that like what i just said like you don't start mm -hmm. at zero, you start at white. Like everybody kind of thinks like you can just like live your life and be okay. But it's like, no, you're so, <laughs> we're already off north. We're not, in leadership, they talk about finding true north, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're off a true north for our people and for who we are. Like mm -hmm. you start out like that. You start off tilted, you know, in, in, in a direction like that. So. It's like when you're saying when you're saying like you got to start all the way over. Yes, it's it, it's it's necessary, bro. It's if you don't, then then you're going to lead not only yourself, but you're going to lead further generations into and in, into uh, their own destruction. So like I, I appreciate you saying that, man. And the other thing I was going to say is even when you said that, like you and me, we were able to kind of go through that pain, right? That mm -hmm. discomfort of like, man, a lot of the stuff that I was taught, a lot of stuff that I value, a lot of the things that I've already been doing is not the right way. Mm -hmm. You actually have to have a strong self image to be able to start over that just period. Cause a lot of people know the truth. You, that, that's what I say, it starts with like your self image. If you don't have no kind of self-image, you can know the truth and you're still not going to do the work because you don't believe that you can actually create these things that me and you are talking about. Like if I have to really start over with my value system, with my standards, is it going to be any better? Is my life going to be any better than it is right now? And so mm. it's like that challenge, which is like, man, is life going to get any better for black people if I start being pro-black? If I start being pro-African, like if I, if mm. I start taking my you know, some of my Saturdays and some of my Sundays and some of my Netflix and some of my, you know, going out and start reading a book about my people. And, you know, is that really going? See, and that's where that self-image, but you knew, you had that feeling. I had that feeling that like, hey, at the end of the day, I can do it. We can do it. Mm -hmm. So talk, talk about that, bro. Like, how did you? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's attainable, man. And it's like for, I know for me, it was like the, I had certain questions that I needed to get answered mm -hmm. and, and a lot of, of 
I'm, I'm developing more discipline as I get older. But a lot of what I do is like a lot of way that I, I'm, I'm moved and motivated is like I can no longer deny the feeling. And so I'm going to just move forward with it. So, mm. you know, when I was starting a podcast and all that back in uh, planning for it in 2016 and launched it in 2017, it was like, man, I, you know, and we were both heavily in the church, Christians, born and raised, all that. But I had mad questions. And I had to answer these questions. Mm. And then once I got the answers to the questions, it still took me two, two years to really accept the truth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it, it takes, I know that, I mean, you know, the struggle, I know the struggle. It takes a while to accept the truth because as you study history and you study more and more, it's just like, yo, did my parents lie to me? Did my pastor <laughs> lie to me? Did my aunts and uncles, did my grandparents lie? Did they lie or did they not, did they not know any better? Did my teachers lie to me? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so at first you're examining like, who, who lied to you? Like who put me in this situation? Like, why didn't I know this stuff? And then after you get done blaming everybody for your situation, then you have to sit there with yourself and be like, all right, okay, now, now that I know it, what's done is done. I can't fix it. I can't change the past. Mm-hmm. Am I about to start over? Am I about to leave my church? Am I going to potentially be alienated by, you know, family and friends? Am I willing to subject myself to that, to, to start fresh, to not have a routine of reading the Bible every day and reading Proverbs and reading this and all of it? Because that's what I was doing. I was heavy. You, you know, we, we was heavy into it. Um, and so, like, am I, am I willing to do that? And it was just like, for me, I had to do it. Um, and I, I really didn't care about the consequences. I just had to do it, but it was lonely and it was hard and I sympathize and I don't even judge people that like stay in faith that know that it's not what it's cracked up to be because of the convenience and the cultural relevance that I, I get it. But at the end of the day, we have to think a hundred, 200, 300 years down the line. What are we, what are our kids going to inherit if we don't yeah. change? And John Henry Clark, yeah. one of my favorite authors, man, if what he talks about is there has to be a sacrificial generation. Who's it going to be? And I was just like, all right, even if my whole generation isn't sacrificial, I got to do my part. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And then what somebody got to do it. Also, how we did, we had each other though. Me and you, we kind of had each other to. We did kind of go through that pain with because I, I felt like I couldn't talk to hardly anybody like because when it came to yeah you know religion and and talking about certain things I knew that somebody was just gonna give me another scripture and I was like yo like or just or just tell you to pray like can we because what I'm talking about actually actually bumps heads with everything that you're going to tell me so yeah. you have enough empathy really to do, to 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 see outside of how you already view the world and that's mm-hmm. how do you do it bro how okay so how do you like how do you talk about these things then because you know where where you and i were at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sometimes i catch myself like catching amnesia for a little bit like you know coming kind of hard like hey we need to we need to get our minds right and da 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 da. Uh, yeah, 
because it's like you're like but you're like man you were just there a couple years ago or three years ago or five years ago but at the same time you're like wait but uh shoot we're under ridiculous attack so i don't know how long we're gonna have if we don't if we don't speak so yeah so for me man it's just like it's a it's a topic where I, i don't feel like we have to tackle it head on because if you tackle it head on and you talk, you try to take someone, you try to drag someone from the, the end zone to the 50 yard line, it's going to be a struggle. But if I can just step you two yards here, three yards there, mm-hmm. four yards, you know, if I could just whatever, just drop nuggets of truth and just have the conversation and have people's minds open and just show you the whole picture. And mm-hmm. so. I feel like if you expose folks to truth enough, but it's gradual and you're not beating them over the head, mm-hmm. then you can build that relationship and grow that relationship. And then eventually they're going to, I don't want to say they're going to come around because you never know what's, what's going to happen. You plant a seed, you don't know how it's going to come back, but yeah. they're, they're, they're going to recognize some of the things that you say, because what we're talking about is true. When we're talking about history and what happens, and history repeats itself if we don't deal with the past. And the past has not been dealt with. It's been suppressed. And so a lot of what we're going through right now is directly tied to things that have happened two, three, four, five hundred years ago, even farther than that. But like within recent history, and that's what I talk about in my course. There are things that we can pinpoint that I can pinpoint in history that, oh, this happened right here. And this is why they say this in court. And this is why this plays out this way in society. And it because stuff hasn't been dealt with. And so I don't have to tell you that you're wrong. I can just show you the right way. And then it's going to come up in regular everyday life because it's the truth and patterns repeat that haven't been dealt with. And so, you know, I, I used to be, I used to go hard, you know, I used to try to um, persuade folks to not believe, but I know that I couldn't be persuaded. So I already know how Mm -hmm. I get down. I I would argue, I mean, my whole, podcast is a documentation of me trying to argue people down about Christianity and then me changing my mind, but it's based upon the information that I was given and me having to come to grips with, all right, am I going to lay down this dogma? And, I, and I, am I going to accept historical truth and just go on that path of curiosity and learning as opposed to just believing and not needing to learn? Cause I, I believe, and that's all that I need, you know, I had to trade one for the other. And I know other people are in, are in that same predicament. So I don't try to persuade anymore. I just give truth and I speak truthfully. And I try not to offend folks, especially that are in that position where they're believing so tough and you can fracture their whatever, you know, if you go too hard on them. So I just, I just kind of relax and expose them to truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. But, but tell me about, you know, once again, your, your journey and, and, laying down your beliefs after you know upon further in- inspection of what whiteness has done to your mind and to your spirit yeah my, my journey i think is, is kind of like it's funny because it started really with just personal development and growth you know mm-hmm. just making sure that i was gonna like grow every day and a lot of that a lot of that learning you know of course it's still indoctrinated learning like it's still through a a white lens. So I was still like, you know, even though I was getting some success principles and some things on how to like, how to manage my day and how to connect with people, it was still through, through, through a white lens. But then eventually, like I started to see certain like 
behavior, uh, behavioral patterns. And I started to see certain like trends and things that people did. And I was like, shoot, I started to correlate that with culture. And I was like, oh man, like if, if people are op operating basically, you know, on autopilot, right. And then I started mm -hmm. seeing all these different like racial issues, right. Where I'm like, man, why are, why are, you know, these white folks continually like oppressing black people? I thought it was just like, you know, a few here and a few there. I'm like, wait, like, nah, this is like, this is systemic on a really deep internal level where it's, it's already on autopilot. Then I started getting scared. Cause I was like, wait, hold on, bro. Like, are you saying that like, basically everything is kind of, you know, running on this, on, on this white machine. And then I had to look at myself and I was like, dang, I'm doing it too. You know, I'm, I'm, and then I, I did, I had to, deal with the most precious thing to me because I had created, this is the thing that I kind of figured out in my life is like, I created a personality that was formed by religion. Like my whole being was a Christian, like mm. was Christian first, everything else second, my, mm. my, my people, my everything else is second, you know, and I was like, that's who I was. That was what my identity and my personality was based on. I mean, I had some other values and stuff too, but I, I had to realize that. And then within that period of time, I'm like, man, okay. If I have to re unlearn all these different things, like I, I'm willing to look at it as ugly as, as it is. Like I, I, I'm, I'm willing to forgive myself you know, because I think that's one thing you have to do is kind of forgive yourself. Like, like, man, I used to believe that, like, I needed to, I was like a better version of Black people. I was like a better Black, you know, I don't, I'm not like them. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can still, I can still relate with white people. Like, I can still, you know, white people are still cool with me. I can still talk and, and I can say, and I'm like, man, but then I started thinking, like, why are all my references to white people? Why are all the thoughts that I think in relation or in comparison to white people? Like even when we talk about race and I started looking at, wait, we're only talking about, uh, we're only talking about white people. There's a whole bunch of other races. So there has to be some type of pattern that's going on that, that I'm not seeing that there really is a form of oppression, even though there's Asians, even though there's, you know, uh, Latinos, there's all kinds of, you know, Pacific Islanders, we're always talking about white people and how white people feel about these conversations. So that's when I started to be like, oh, wait, we're under some serious control. And that, oh, that, was, that was where I really had to dive in and make a decision. Like, am I going to pretend that this is not, a, this is not real? Or am I going to deal with this every single day until, until I've, you know, kind of moved out of that white mind frame? Yeah, man. And that's, and that's the thing. It's, that's the dilemma. Are we just going to act like it's not as bad as it is because it's easier to do? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to actually deal with it? And I just, I literally tweeted that last night. It's like, I, I live in attention of, 
you know, learning about the truth of all the historical, intergenerational, um, institutional and personal racial trauma that we suffer as Black folks in America, but then not wanting to have a, a victim mentality, mm-hmm. but also trying to get rich or die trying. Like, I, I want to do all the things, you know what I mean? But also, I don't want to have that rugged, individualistic, American right. bootstrap mentality. You know, like, I'm trying to do this for my family and for my people, um, but I am trying to get rich <laughs> or die trying, bro. Because, like Because I, we have, we're forced into this system that, that a lot, yeah. like, where everything is a commodity, so you have to make money in order to live on, you know, in this, in this, this, so it's like, you at least have to have that indoctrinated into your mind that like finance is a, is, is a way to sustain life now. Before, right. before Europe, you could do it by just like, you know, agriculture, land, or something like that. getting your land mm-hmm. right, you know, you could, you could do whatever, but Europe said, no, that's mine. That's mine. You got to pay this for that. You got to do that for that. I'm going to move you Taxes. this way and that way. And now it's like, you got to, you can't even think about revolution until you're actually able to eat. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's kind of where we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What you're, at, what, you're, what you're saying is basically, that's the answer of how to be the best possible melanated person is how do you manage finance with not losing yourself in this European white system? Uh, how do you, so we got to give each other grace, man, because we're going to be sure. on different levels and different spots. That's why it's like, we're, 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 we butt heads, like right when somebody else gets, gets like the, they get woke and then they, they can't agree with the other person who's woke on a different level, you know, uh, and that's why it's just like, we, we, it's really tough for us to connect again. Cause we're like, man, we gotta be patient with people, man. Cause yeah. some, we're, we're compromising each and every one of us are compromising in some way, even right now, even while we're having this conversation, conversation we're compromising on some level. Uh, and we have to be, give each other grace. That's a fact, bro. I wasn't going to pull this one out yet, but since we were talking about learning and unlearning, let's get into this clip. A book written by a colonizer, a racist pig. Do you think that this can help your child grow? Am I saying you should not go to school? No. What is the difference between medicine and poison? What's the difference between the poison and the medicine? A matter of degree. Thank you, brother. It's the same thing. There is no difference. Every medicine is poison. It will kill you if that's why the doctor tells you take one teaspoon every five hours or every eight hours. If you decide, hey, this pain is too much, let me take five teaspoons, what will happen to you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, every medicine is poison. When you go to school, you have to think in terms, this is the poison you've got to have but you have to measure how much of it, when you should take it, 
And sometimes maybe you just may have to say, hey, forget it. Mm. That right there, bro, it makes me think of my son, uh, my, my children, because as we have grown and as we have gotten more and more information and as we study, we realize that all systems of, 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 uh, of activity have been infiltrated, have been, you know, used as a tool of white supremacy. So, so economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. So when we talk about education and the way that, that the system socializes us and educates us is not as a means to solve problems, but as a means to indoctrinate us into their ways of thinking and their ways of believing. And so I've taken my son out of the regular traditional school system, even though he's, he's doing an online school uh, and they do set the curriculum, you know, I'm there to be able to walk him through, especially when we get to that social studies part and they're learning about Europe and they're learning about colonization in middle school. I can tell them what's true and was not true. You know what I mean? I could tell them, all right, yeah, you do need to know that. And that's what they're asking you. But son, you don't have to believe this stuff. Okay. I'll let you know what's real and what's not real. You learn it, you give it back to them, but you don't swallow this whole and believe it and let it take root and let it inform how you move in this world. And so I love how she talked about how medicine and poison is, just, they're, they're similar in nature, but different in, in degree. And then how we relate that to education uh, and what we take in and what we choose to allow to take root. But what thoughts did you have upon seeing that? First, like uh, disclaimer, she looked good. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> but she looked good. Yeah, she's fine. She's I fine, know, bro. I don't know if we will eventually touch on that. I was like, Dang, she look kind of good with her little you know, she, afro. She, like I was, yeah, bro. <laughs> with, with the way that she's talking that talk, and she, man, she, she fine for. I don't know how old yeah, she was man. then. Hey, I would have liberated with her. I would have been like, where are we going? Like, <laughs> where, are we, where are we going? You're like, I feel, yeah, me too. Let's go. <laughs> nah, but my first thoughts were, were just like. Um, that miseducation that you're talking about is is, is huge. Um, but I thought about, and I, you know, not to not to spread a whole bunch of uh, focus on white people or, or or Caucasians or European, whatever term you want to use, but they're indoctrinated too. So their mm -hmm. elite indoctrinate the majority of them so that they are socialized to be white. Mm -hmm. You know, so like whiteness becomes in their identity and so they're being lied to too <laughs> like i know like like some people they think like that that white people just are all like all of them know exactly the lies that they've been told like a lot of them don't know that they're believing lies and they're also indoctrinated into the lies that's why i think a lot of a lot of a lot of white folks that aren't you know, you know, consciously racist are um, are subconsciously racist because they they don't necessarily want to deal that like you know their brain is kind of protecting them from certain potential threats. Like they don't even they don't even really want to talk about race past a certain you know uh, 
level because 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 it's gonna rub against their identity. So they just do the minimal, uh, and that kind of keeps them kind of in their own like false sense of reality. And that false sense of reality allows them to just kind of get along. And, and that that actually goes with us too. Like we live as, as, as black and brown people, we live in this false sense of reality as well that kind of keeps us like, oh, you know, everybody's just kind of cool. We're just, we're just all human beings. And da, da, da. like we just say certain things so that we don't have to deal with these lies or have to like, you know, come to a conclusion where it's like, wait, this actually doesn't work in nature. It doesn't work in, so, in, in our social situation. It don't work in anything. And if we're not willing to confront the, the lies- It don't work for us. It worked for them, but it don't work for us. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I was always gonna say, it's just that, you know, this indoctrination is, a, is, a, is like a full court. <laughs> you know, it's all the teams are indoctrinated, bro. Like. We're, we're being miseducated. They're being miseducated. Um, they also have elite that, that know exactly what they're doing. Like the elite, the elite white supremacists, they know exactly, they know, they know the full core press. They got the blueprint. They got it all mapped out for the next 500 years, if, you know, but, but I wanted to say something about the subconscious and learning. Mm. Because this was really important, and I, when I learned this, it was it changed everything for me. Which is the subconscious, and I, I credit a lot of this to Daniel Kinnaman's Thinking Fast and Slow. The subconscious mind cannot um, accept anything unless it believes it's true. So it has to believe information as true first in order to understand it. Your conscious mind is what protects you from, you know, information that you either do or don't agree. So your conscious mind is, is, is kind of scanning, hey, is this okay to learn? You know, is this, or do I need to reject this now? But if it doesn't reject it now, it goes into the subconscious and is accepted as truth. So like when we're learning and we're, you know, reading these textbooks and, and going through their curriculum and, it, it, you know, our subconscious is believing it as true. So mm. it's indoctrination one way or another. And what happens is like, even me, you know, and I, I want to eventually, I, I want to go, go back to school and, and get a doctorate. Um, I, that was one of my things that I, I, I do want to get, but I realized that as I go and get that doctorate, I'm going to have to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff that I've already learned in order to get that particular doctorate. And I'm going to, to some degree, I'm going to be uh, anchored in, in some white ideals as I'm, you know, because I have to learn it first subconsciously. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, but at least have the conscious um, understanding that I'm going to have to either screen uh, or audit the information that I'm learning right now and kind of compare it to, am I being... Is this in any way perpetuating white supremacy? So yes, yeah. I mean you're gonna, you're gonna have to take that. You're gonna take that poison, man. Like she said. Yeah, I didn't take that poison, unfortunately, man. But this, I think about that. I think about you know going and getting an advanced degree, get a few extra letters behind my name. 
Um, but then there is that that conflict of what exactly what you said, you know, having to take that poison and having to um, subject myself to that information and and having to take it and then give it back in a way that's pleasing to them you run the risk like you said of your of your subconscious actually believing that and then yeah so it's it's tough man it's tough yeah one of those dilemmas one of those dilemmas of just being here in this world trying to make it trying to trying to maximize and optimize all your opportunities um but trying to do it with minimal damage exactly (laughs) <laughs> minimal damage from white ideology man because mitigation i think that needs to be the key to our wokeness mm. it's like look you you know you're going you know you're gonna have to take a little like you said a little bit of this poison um just just don't let it be to the point where you compromise on the on the, on the more um baseline values and standards that are necessary to build a nation so like for mm. example right like I'll give, a, I'll give a kind of personal kind of uh, example of where I know I'm still operating in whiteness in a certain extent, but I, you know, um, I, I'm still prioritizing these other areas that I never operate in whiteness in. So for example, like when I'm watching movies, right? <laughs> okay. Like I might watch a movie that's like super, super white. And I know it like it it it, um, it it perpetuates the I mean I mean it's just it's just it's super white right like but there's certain I have a certain standard in my own mind where it's like okay I'm not gonna watch a show where there's like a token black dude but I will watch a show that's just all white you know what I mean and it's like it's like because there's not a whole bunch of options for me to watch certain shows if I want to just unplug, you know, cause when you're doing this work, bro, our minds are being <laughs> occupied a lot. Like it, we're using like our conscious mind all the time or as much as we possibly can. And we want to yeah. unload or unwind. It's like, man, we're shoot. I got Netflix. I got this. I can't, I don't want to watch this show. So it's just like, boom, I, you know? So what I'm saying is, don't compromise on the big things. Like, you know, like mm. make sure for, for me, it's like, I gotta, I gotta make sure one of the first things that I do is, is make sure that my family is, is, is black, you know? So my mate, you know, right now, you know, you, you know where I am, you know, as far as, mm. you know, divorced and whatever. But when I find a mate again, she will be black because I want I want the easiest, most um and and, and my and my wife my previous wife was black as well so just so y'all know so they not, not like oh see what what is was he with somebody else before you trying, no. trying to make up for lost time ain't he <laughs> right right well what I'm saying is I, no I was you know I I you know married a black woman and when I get married again it will be with a black woman and so like some of these things are just not negotiable. For my value system like what i believe as far as like uh spirituality that's not negotiable i'm not gonna be religion is not gonna enter into that 
It's going mm-hmm. to be, you know, spiritual foundations based off of African principles. We're not even, we're not even touch, we're not even negotiating that. But some of these smaller things, you know, like if I watch, if I watch Friends, you know what I mean? Like, for, Bro, why for, was that in my mind? I was like, this dude watching Friends, ain't he? <laughs> but I'm not watching Friends though. But I watch The Office. I be watching The Office stuff. So. Oh, everybody watch The Office. Come on. Yeah, but it's just all white. Anyway. So, so I take, I take my little, my little doses of, of, of whatever, uh, be, just because, uh, but overall I'm not, I, you know, I keep my stand, I'm trying to keep my standards pretty strong to where I'm building a black nation with everything that I do. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, you can't be too hard on yourself. You can't be trying to be so pro blackity black, black that like you can't enjoy just regular stuff like you said just tv shows or whatever the case might be you know like the but the real thing is the more that you learn about the system and the more you know it's it's harder for me it's harder to enjoy certain stuff because you notice those you know you you notice those nuances and i'm just like oh man here they go here they go look look at them you know subconscious fucking everything up (laughs) yeah it's just like come on man You can't even enjoy good old-fashioned trap music like you want to because you know <laughs> that it's just like, you know, certain stuff is like literally uh, helping us die faster. So so that's that's my thing. So everybody has their thing of like the unconstructive habit yep. That, yep. that definitely reinforces the, the system. And mm-hmm. for me, it is trap music or any okay. type of hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hip-hop for me... I do not get dogmatic about it. Um, unfortunately, it, it it's some of the worst messages known to man. I mean, <laughs> brothers killing brothers, niggas ain't shit. All of that, like all of that stuff is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I listen to it because I like the beat mm-hmm. and some of the dudes can really rap. And I just, I tune it out or I've just been... I've been enveloped in that hip hop culture and know that messaging for so long that it doesn't shock my system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I can still be pro black and, and woke and all that and still listen to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any issue with it. Yeah. <laughs> now other folks are like, dang, bro, you listen to how you, how you going to talk about I'm like, Hey bro, that's, 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 that's my great. thing. You gotta have, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. That grace. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda like remember when we was Christians, you know, you have that one Christian dude that was an elder or whatever, but he just cussed. Mm-hmm. He, it, didn't nobody say yeah. nothing about it? Like he was, he was, I mean, he prayed, he was at everything, you know, but he just, he would, he said, that bitch is getting on my nerves. He'd be like, what? <laughs> I, well, you, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't say yeah. that. You're a Christian. He'd be like, oh, yeah. I'll die for this, but you gotta understand these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't, you can't. Like really? Like really? Did you just did you hear what Reverend, uh, you know, so and so said? But we got it. We got yeah. each other some grace in this because, um, uh, I be seeing stuff online. It's like if 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 somebody don't agree with the the area of conviction that another woke person believes in, mm. Mm. that's where those fights come. That's where it's just like, bro, you ain't woke. You just another yeah. coon. Collective whatever you know comes out from there. Yeah, man. No doubt. That's that's funny, bro. So let's let's get into this next clip, man. Uh the good sister. 
verifying yourself by any bellow. Let's go. Right, right. <laughs> Here we are. I'm a slave master. You're my slaves. I spent a hundred years beating up on you, your grandmama, your great grandmama, uh, making you work for nothing for me. Centuries after centuries. And then one day independence must come. That's okay, fine, let's have independence. Let's sit down and talk about it. Here's how your independence gonna go, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you. And now, independence is signed. We all happy, we shake hands. How sweet. All the land that I took from your family remains my land, of course. And now you out in the streets begging. You know what I'm gonna say? Look at this bum, what is wrong with him? These black folks can't do nothing for themselves. Here we am begging, begging, always begging. And we are so stupid. We won't even say, yeah, I'm begging because you stole my land. I'm begging because you killed my mother. I'm begging because you slaughtered my grandmother. I'm begging because you raped my sisters. That's why I'm begging. We're going to know, wait, man, you got to help us. Yeah, we're really in bad shape. You know why you can't give him the sense? You went to school, I hear. Man, heavy, heavy. Um, that clip, it's like a, she's talking of like a, a independence dilemma. And that, it kind of lends to what, what I said earlier about um, being in that, that tension of understanding what happened, talking about what happened, but trying not to live in that victim mentality and in that trauma but 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 we have to recognize it like i'll, I'll have certain conversations um with certain folks in in particular um and i don't want to say who they are because it might be a little whatever but and it's hard for them it's one person in particular that i'm thinking about it's hard for them to just acknowledge what has happened to us in the past as a reason to why that we're here and what's still happening to a different degree, but it's still happening. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about it, they get really angry and they want to argue with me and they're black and they want to argue with me about what happened to our people and how we, we, we got to get over it and we got to move past it. And I understand what I understand the sentiment, but if we can't even acknowledge, and like she said, if we're just so dumb to like be all nice and beg them and say, Hey, can you please? Hey, hey, hey. no, we, it's like, yo, it's okay to acknowledge that you're mad. Mm -hmm. It's okay to acknowledge that you're hurt. You have very good reason to be and express it, get it out. Don't hold it in, get it out. So that, because until you express it, until you acknowledge it, until you fully grapple with it and have a real conversation with 
the person who offends or the person or the people who uphold those ideals and that still have your land and that still have all these things that really should be yours, but they, they're not going to give it back. Don't be afraid to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, then it's that, that anger and that trauma is going to live with us and we're not going to be able to work through it if we don't at least acknowledge it. But I don't know. Those are some of the thoughts that, that rose up in me as I watched it, man. Um, tell me your thoughts, bro. Well, I, I like what you said about um, like feeling those feelings. Kind yeah. Because um, I talk about cultural, emotional intelligence a lot is like um, being able to understand your emotions. Mm -hmm. Like we're not we're not understanding our emotions. Mm. We're not accepting our emotions. We don't know what our emotions are for. You know, even when we talk about being emotional, it's a negative thing, right? Mm. When we're actually more emotional than we are logical. So it's like, it's, it's important that we start being in tune with ourselves and knowing ourselves. Like, like you know, the African Egyptian said, know yourself and so this what you're saying is just so true bro like how people want to see themselves and especially us as black people because i don't even say black as african melanated people right we were the and i can say are still but in our fullness in our mm. fullness of self and knowledge. We're the most powerful, the most, um, I would say wise, uh, intelligent beings that have ever came across this universe. We gave the world everything. And and from our consciousness, everything else comes. Mm. So we're coming from a place of like, not even like arrogance. We're just coming from a place, like this is who we are. Like we gave you math, we gave you philosophy, we gave you spirituality, we gave you uh, civilization, we gave you every single thing that it means to be a human being for hundreds of thousands of years. You're welcome. Then after that, right? That's who we are. Like, you know, we, we like our, our culture says, okay, like know yourself and do those things that you, that, that you're good at and, and, and be skilled at. And we're so skilled. We're so, you know, amazing in the things that we do. Like whatever we touch turns to gold. But see in this system, whatever we touch turns to gold and then it's sold back to us by Europeans. So it's like, so we lose like that. We, we're struggling with th this. We're struggling with this like schizophrenia, like who we are and who we were versus who we feel we are now. And like coming from this place of high, just the highest place that you could possibly be in a social food chain to coming so low mm. to where your people are subjected to uh, another people for hundreds of years 
-hmm. And our ancestors are, are still in us, you know, even through our DNA, they're, they're still in us. And so we're, we're battling with this weird kind of denial of the truth of, of what has actually happened because we're just, we're still like, nah, we got this. I got this. You got to accept it first and then we can get this. Mm -hmm. Like once you realize that like what's happened, we got, we, we lost a few battles here. Everybody, you know, everybody said, yo, yo, I'm the greatest. I'm the, I'm the best. I'm the whatever. Look, Muhammad Ali admitted when he, when he lost the fight, he didn't say, no, nah, I didn't get beat. He cheated. No, he got beat. We got beat. That doesn't mean that we can't keep winning, but we got to like, no, we, we got beat. We got beat down for a while here. Mm -hmm. and, and then once we can like, acknowledge that and forgive ourselves for everything you know maybe we didn't come together when we should have came together maybe we should have done things a little bit different once we forgive ourselves and really acknowledge that then we can get back to like yeah we're still we're still that people but you can't you can't you can't um you can't just deny the truth and get to that le next level so I, I i really appreciate you saying that bro like bro I, as you as you said that um there's a quote that came to my head. I got to read it because it's so long, but it's, uh, it's by James Baldwin. He says, we know in the case of the person that whoever cannot tell himself the truth about his past is trapped in it, is immobilized in the prison of his discovered self. We know a person in such paralysis is unable to assess either his weakness or his strengths and how frequently indeed he mistakes one for the other. And that's basically that that concludes what you said, bro. We it's like black folks. We have to tell ourselves the truth about what happened in the past. If we don't like if we don't know the truth about history, we'll be trapped in history. And we are trapped and we know it. We just don't know how, but we know that we are trapped. Now, some of us in our trappings have gotten comfortable <laughs> and we've, we've carved out a comfortable, consistent, predictable niche, mm -hmm. which is, you know what? I'm trapped. I'm a prisoner of war, but actually, it's not that bad. Actually, I'm doing okay. I got a good job. Mm -hmm. I got a house. I got a dog. Mm -hmm. I'm doing all right. Yeah, my boss is white. Yeah, uh, white people educate our, our children. Yeah, you know, if, if I go to church and speak out, speak against white Jesus or whatever case might be, I might get ostracized or ignored or kicked out, but you know what? I'm comfortable. So it's not that bad. It's not, don't even worry about the pay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Slavery. Okay. Yeah. We were slaves. Okay. Jim Crow. Okay. I get it. We were, we were discriminated against, but Hey, look at me. I got a college degree. Once again, I got a house and I got a dog. And I got all these white friends that 
I mean, look at all these white people that love me. We're okay. <laughs> and if, and even, if you, even if you don't have white friends, I got other friends that are just like me and we go travel and we have fun. We've carved out a pretty nice little niche in this trap. Yeah. And so I'm not going to rock the boat too much because I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is it's not sustainable long term. And if we stop thinking of ourselves as individuals and we look at the total whole community family aspect of who we are, if you got a family of 20 people and only one of them can take care of themselves on their own and everybody else has to rely on each other and they're struggling, what good is it if you can do good by yourself if the rest of your family is struggling? Mm. We got to help everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say, uh, What's, what's her name? She had a quote. What, what's the lady's name? Professor. Bello. Yeah, Bello. Yeah. And I wrote this quote down. She said in Voodoo, good is what benefits the collective. Yeah. That was yeah. deep to me. It can't yeah. be like in that term, good can't be individualistic. Mm. Oh, it just helps you? Then it's not good. Like, not good. We, we have to, once again, we have to acknowledge the past. Because if we don't acknowledge it, then we're trapped in that. And we can't move forward. And once again, like James Baldwin said, we don't know our strengths from our weaknesses because we kind of live in this, this land of, of delusion in our minds mm-hmm. that we're something that we're not. Mm-hmm. And it's a happy place. Because like, when you can, this is the thing about the conscious mind is that our minds create realities like no 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 other being can do that Mm. like every everything else is just automatic habit you know what i mean we actually can plan for the future our creativity um our 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 imagination it's a gift Mm -hmm. you know so it's not like a bad thing that we're able to create these realities like a child you want your child to imagine things you want your child to be able to see things that aren't there but Eventually, as an adult, you have to be able to balance that with like with with reality, you know, and like what actually is going on. You don't want to cut off a person's uh, ability to imagine, but we're just creating fantasies to live in so that we don't have to experience the pain of reality. And it, and what happens is like we're, we're traumatized, and we don't and we know that once we let out that bag, we're gonna experience pain and joy and sadness and things that we just don't want to feel at the level that 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 they would actually come out so we're we know that on some level because if we're already traumatized and we already you know hate that feeling of seeing another one of our brothers or sisters get shot or killed or or just you know getting fired or whatever we have to sit down in that like sit in that sit and stew in that like we don't want to do that. That's why. <laughs> that's what it is, man. And, and 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 it's we're suffering from it. And any like, didn't you say something about anything that's not acknowledged um, uh, by James Brown? It kind of keeps you trapped or stuck. Something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm in that too. Like anything that we avoid has power over us. True. Very true, man. And it's it's one of those things where it's just like we have to 
we have to come to grips and we also have to know our limits because and I want people to hear hear us and know that we're not trying we're not trying to pass judgment or anything of if if you notice what we're saying you feel like you're not there or you're not whatever like that's it is what it is we're just we're, we're talking and speaking from our experience but just know that what we're talking about we've been through it and we know I I'll, I'll speak for myself I know what it feels like to ignore because I did it for so long mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, I, I did it for so long like mm-hmm. me me leaving the church and 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 I, I knew when I started the podcast I had to leave the church even though I was still a Christian because I know the quest the questions that I had had could cause division among the brethren and I didn't want to do that because I know how how things work but it's just like I had to face it and but I ignored it like I the feelings that I felt at the age of 31 32 I had been feeling that since the age of 27 I remember it like 27 I really started questioning a lot about life but I just I couldn't mm, I couldn't come to grips with it and then you know 31 32 really started asking the questions and I was like, all right, I'm off Christianity, but I can't go too far. Let me pivot to Hebrew Israelite. With all due respect to my Hebrew Israelite brothers, you know, I, I went there, but I was like, ah, this ain't it. Let me just step all the way back. You know, it was just like, I, I couldn't come to grips with, man, it's, none of this stuff is, is what it's cracked up to be. And there's so much more that we don't know, but we profess to know just because the religion requires dogmatic believing dogmatic thinking and it's just like ah oh. but you we don't you feel that conflict i felt that conflict too uh but i would i would i couldn't ignore it i would just have to i'd ask a question and somebody mm-hmm. would give me an answer and then it would come back like six months to a year later with with another example and then i'd either suppress it again you're you know what i mean but but mm-hmm. the, you get better at kind of suppressing these conflicts um but they always come out later you know what i mean it's like it's, it just comes out in different ways and you're like man and then yeah and then it, you realize like as you get more information mm-hmm. the the stuff that you were taught that you're conflicted about it really doesn't add up in a lot of different areas and right. it's tough to like, be like well yeah. <laughs> you know but the thing is, it's just like, I want to encourage folk, man, just start, just start. It's the road is not easy. It's not smooth, but you will, you will survive. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's mental. You know what I mean? Like what we're going through right now, we have the luxury of mentally taking on trauma as much as we feel like it. And then if we feel like putting down the book or turning off the documentary, then we can turn it off. Our ancestors just had to go, they had, they had to deal with it. So I want everybody to think about the luxurious position that you're in to only deal with trauma vicariously, not only deal with trauma, but to be able to deal with trauma vicariously, um, whether it's through a book or through, you know, through the television screen or whatever, through media, but not really have to go through it physically and as viscerally as our ancestors did. So take advantage of it, but also take your time and don't try to rush it. I know, like, I, for, for instance, when I read post-traumatic slave syndrome by dr joy DeGruy, which is an amazing book that it should be required reading for any black american period mm-hmm. all right read that book but as i read that book there will be times where i just had to stop like i i literally i couldn't take it 
it was too much. My subconscious brain was getting smacked around and I, I could not take it. And so I just had to stop. Cause I was like literally overwhelmed, mm-hmm. but eventually I finished the book and my tolerance for learning the truth and learning how, how tragic it was, it raised and I'm a better person for it. But E, can you speak to that man? Just like reading through some of these books um, by yeah. some of our great authors, whether it be um, Dr. Joy or Francis Crest, Wilson, Neely Fuller and dealing wrestling with that in in your mind and and being able to to get stronger even though it's painful while you're learning yeah there's a there's a really good principle i wanted to um talk about as as i kind of answer your question and this is what it was psychology um and anything any kind of fear anything that you want to get over one of the main ways that they do that is through exposure, right? So mm-hmm. they do is they expose you to a particular thing that you're afraid of, but they, they expose you to it in doses. So they like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're afraid of spiders, not gonna throw a whole bunch of spiders on you. <laughs> they're gonna show you like one spider and they're gonna give you like a little bit of information about that spider. And then, you know, the next time you come in, they're gonna show you two spiders. And then you're like, okay, I kind of get, I'm okay with that. And then, and then maybe like, you know, three months later, they, you, you hold a small spider in your hand or something like that. And then, you know, eventually, like you realize that the, uh, you, you realize the information about the spider. Yeah, the spider can bite, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pick it up if you don't want to. You, as long as you're within a certain distance, you're okay. I think that's the, the mindset that we have to take because what Europe did, this is a, a really important point is after they cut us off from who we were, they then input another personality and a pseudo personality, a white personality into us. And not only that, but they cut off exposure. This is really important. They cut off exposure to the melanated self, to the, to the, to the melanated consciousness, to the African consciousness. So they only showed us from 1492 and, and moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. They don't show us how we you know, operated beforehand. They just show us slavery moving forward. They cut you off from exposure of your, of your true self. And so like these books that we're reading gradually start moving you into that exposure. And when you read a book, it allows you to gain this knowledge in a passive way. Mm-hmm. So you can take in way more like that. You know, you, you can actually, um, you know, uh, you can be exposed to way more because the subconscious is reading it as truth rather than an attack. So if the same person says the exact same things that are in the book, you might not receive it because of how your subconscious will actually receive it right it's like a it's like um somebody telling you what to do and then you actually learning it and 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 kind of exposing yourself to it on your own of your own uh accord it's totally different so your ability to take in more truth is exponentially higher than you just 
learning typically from somebody else who's going to teach you something. So that's really important. Like get in these books, get in these books and you're going to be exposed to that melanated consciousness of who you were before colonization. That's really important. Bella was talking about success and how we're referring to trying to get away from that ind individualistic mindset. Mm -hmm. you know, um, and really recreate our own status quo. Mm -hmm. I had wonderful, I don't know what it is, I have, but I had beautiful words to say what success is. And a peasant, about 72 years old, said success, that's not that. I said, what do you mean? I mean, I went to school. I should know. I read in big dictionaries. He said, that's not success, sister. What you're describing here is a plot for a particular achievement. That is not success. Success is being who you are in such a complete and stable way that you become the foundation upon which the next generation will feel secure. Success is not what you do. Success is who you are. If you live your life as who you are and who you ought to be, nobody needs to know you. Don't matter, you don't go on CNN. It doesn't matter, WBI don't know you exist. You are a very successful person. Mm. Mm. She said, we look at success as applause for a particular achievement. We're looking at, um, we're, we're looking at degrees, we're looking at um, trophies and awards. We're, we're looking at that stuff. She said, success is being who you are in such a complete and stable way that you become the foundation upon which the next generation will feel secure. That is the greatest, most holistic, blackest <laughs> definition of what success is, man. We, we talk about Kwanzaa and cooperative economics and Kuji Chagali, all that stuff. Bruh, like that is success being the foundation for your generation to springboard off of. And that's what I think about. And I talk about this often. If y'all listen to the podcast, you've heard me say this many a times. One of the reasons why I created a 120 year plan with my family, with my immediate family, where we're saving money every month, we're investing it in the stock market. And our plan is to buy a property every five to seven years to make sure that our children, great grandchildren, seven, eight generations down the line have housing have had a model of working together as a family, have a model of cooperative economics. Somebody has to lay the foundation. Somebody has to be the sacrificial generation. I will not live to see my family have 20 plus properties, but I will lay the foundation so that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren will be able to live in that and look back at Papa E and be like, yo, he did that. Mm -hmm. Not only him, 
my great, 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 great aunt, aunts Shannon and Stephanie, my great, 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 great grandparents, Papa Edward and Mama Brenda, like they, they can say that. That's successful. You're not successful if it's just you and only you is doing good. If your family ain't good. Your people ain't good. If, if your people ain't good, but it start with your family. Like you could, if you can't, if you can't influence your family, if you can't work with your family, who can you work with? Who can you do business with? And we talk about solidarity in the black community and how we need to come together. We can't come together with other people that ain't that's even though they black, they still strangers. You can't, you gotta come to, you gotta learn. You gotta learn how to work together with people. And the easiest way you can Because what you're saying, and comes close to home is just like, you know, and and I think this is really important to me too, because, you know, as, as being, you know, I was a product of divorce. Mm-hmm. Now I am divorced. So this, mm-hmm. this stability in the family starts with, you know, the man, the black man and the black woman being able to kind of get along I'm, I'm not even up in and, and this is but this is apart from a nuclear sense okay because once again, i'm talking about i'm just talking about my immediate family okay right and then also i know that when it comes to family you can't deal with everybody because everybody ain't on the same page so you gotta i say look for those family members that are on a similar wavelength okay and work with them Mm-hmm. So it don't gotta be your brothers, sisters, your mom, dad if, if they not on that. But if it's some cousins, some uncles, you know, family members that you trust, that you know, all right, they got their stuff together. All right, but what 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 do we have to call our own? How can we create success that inspires future generations of Williamses, future generations of Pierce's, future generations? What who can they look at for models of success? of how we do this thing called life and how we we talk about generational wealth, but how do we actually build it and what does it look like? How long does it take? And who did it? Who did it? If ain't nobody did it, or the only people that did it was white folks, then it's hard to really have that pride in yourself and say, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. That's tough, bro. Thought. Okay, my, my thought first, I think, was uh, that's dope that you have a 120 year plan, bro. I, I haven't done that yet. Um, but that's inspiring by itself is to have that, you know, for your family. Um, I thought about exposure again, which is like, if, if we didn't even hear from, um, this woman right now, we wouldn't be exposed. We, we would be not exposed to it. And, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be exposed to the definition of success from a melanated conscious uh, perspective. So we've already got the white version because that's the version that I've always learned which is success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Most, most things that are, cre- are, are taught to you as success are external from mm-hmm. a European lens. And that's, I mean, I can understand that because you know, if you look, if you, if you just objectively kind of look at uh, how Europeans uh, culturally have done things in the past, it's an accumulation of things. That's how they, you know, that's how they've kind of uh, 
gotten along and created their power and their strength is accumulation of things. You know, taking things from other people and then storing it up and taking more things. And then, you know, so the more that I have, the more value I have. But her thing is, you know, she's talking about it's totally different. It's not it's not external. She's saying that success isn't what you have or what you do. It's who you are. It's this total essence of, of knowing self. And, and it's like, you know, my, my cousin was telling me this, which is really tough. He was like, man, you need to know, you need to know who you are outside of just your characteristics. Like, what mm. do you mean? I was asking him, what do you mean? He's like, you might, this might take you years to understand what I mean. Mm. It's like, it's not knowing yourself. Isn't just about, Oh, I'm a funny person. I'm a, you know, I do this and I do that. Those are attributes. Who mm. are you? you know, who are you? And that's, that's what we once value. Which is who, you know, uh, even, even that, you know, the funny thing um, with Lion King Rafiki, I know your father, you know, his, just his whole <laughs> mindset is just like, you got to know who you are, yeah. you know? And if you don't know who you truly are, you're not successful. You're just a, a, a clone that's mm. accumulated a lot of things. And when you die, depending on, you know, how you value things, you know, you won't have, you'll die without even knowing yourself. Mm. And that's tough, but most people won't even feel convicted about that because they've adopted European values and I have too, <laughs> you know, I, this is the thing I'm being real. Like sometimes I feel like, dang, like why, you know, my dollar amount doesn't match how I feel inside. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and then, and then you get this, this conflict. Cause it's like, man, some of the stuff that I talk about and some of the arenas that I'm in don't necessarily, uh, produce the most, uh, uh, I would say, don't produce the most applause, like how she talked about, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. you might not, mm -hmm. some of these people that we love, like Francis Crest and Amos Wilson, some of these other people, they weren't millionaires, mm -mm. but they got so much gold, mm. so much, they're like, their stuff is create the keys to unlocking our liberty. But there's a lot of people that made way more than them that will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to be like him. But it's like, you're, if you want to be a people, then who are you? But never they will touch the reality of what's happening. They'll give you their version, their interpretation. And they will give it to you in a way, in degrees that will make you feel these Haitians are a bunch of fools. These people always have a problem. And that's the same way they give us information about you. That's true. Most Haitians don't like black Americans. That's a fact. I'm not going to lie about it. We don't like you because the only information we have about you is what your enemy and ours tell us about you.
And you don't like I should see them. Because you have the same information from the same source about us. When was the last time the New York Times told you anything about Toussaint Louverture? When, when did the New York Times talk about Jean-Jacques Dessalines? When did you ever hear about what is the mission of this country? Got the same information from the same source. And that information sows discord and causes division among the diaspora. Mm -hmm. We don't like them. They don't like us. And all the information is controlled. And we think that we're making our decision based upon solid information. We think that we came to this conclusion of this is how these people act. I had a conversation, uh, I think it was like episodes 34 and 35. Um, so in, in the first year of Socks and Sandals uh, with my guy Shingy and it was called Diaspora Disconnect. And, and it was talking about the, the disconnect between Africans and Africans, African-Americans. Um, and he, you know, he talked about how, you know, the elders and just other folks, like they would, they would tell the kids about, or just tell, you know, their family about, all right, if you go to America, you don't want to intermix with the black folk, the black Americans, because mm -hmm. they're this, they're that, they're violent, they're, they're on drugs, they, you know, all the, all the stereotypes that the white media or just white educators would tell them about this is what black people. So you don't, you don't want to be, you be cool, but don't be too cool with them. You really want to make white friends. You don't want to make black friends. Mm -hmm. um, and then he got over here and he was like, yo, I don't know why they told us that. And I don't know why my parents and my aunts and uncles, and I don't know why they believed it, but everybody believed it. And so still to this day, there is especially like, on Twitter or on Instagram, you know, social media, there is these diaspora wars uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and black Americans hating on Haitians, Haitians hating on black Americans, Jamaicans, whatever, whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we get our information from our enemy, from our open enemy, from mm -hmm. our colonizer. And we believe them before we believe each other. And we have no code about ourselves and how we interact. Um, and it's it's problematic to this day, 2021, we're still dealing with it. Uh, what are your thoughts, bro? Bro, there's so much in that. I mean, because we're I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these solutions um are pretty simple. They're just hard. Okay. They're just hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like, oh, you know, like if you if you're uh you have a conflict with somebody, you just have to sit down with them and go over the uh you know the areas where you guys went wrong and then you know make sure that you're uh being empathetic and then you develop a relationship and you you'll be able to heal the relationship right like these are and and that's true you know to an, to, to to an extent but it's not it's simple but it's it's not easy at all because you have to go through several layers of of emotion and several layers of misinformation and you have to be like re-educated and your your brain 
is still going to go through this like uh, up and downhill roller coaster. You're still going to experience like a whole bunch of pain in the process of you healing the relationship. So the reason why I say this is because there's a couple of components here that I did this just stick, stick, stick to mind. One is dark psychology. And I, even the term dark psychology, I understand that like it's also something that's perpetuated by white supremacy. So let's call it dark white, let's call it dark white psychology. Dark psychology is a science that talks about manipulation, deception, and mind control, right? Where, where these are all different kinds of tactics that are used in order to, uh, to control the mind and alter it for a particular end, right? Um, and so what I teach, you know, in my, in my groups is that the two weapons that, that, um, that uh, white supremacy used, I mean, the go-to is dark psychology and violence. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're amazing at those two things, deception, manipulation, mind control, and also violence, you know, strategic. And, and those, that, that combination, that one-two punch has been destroying us since. So when they give us this misinformation, they know how to frame it. They know how to, they know how to uh, push it out. And it, they know exactly how it um, sits in our subconscious. Like we, we know about availability bias, right? Um, you know, we talk about uh, like, I think the, the term is the brain um, receives information better um, by the ease in which it, it comes to mind, right? The availability, the, the ease in which it comes uh, to mind, right? And so when you hear something repeatedly over and over again, even if it's not true, that ease by which it comes to mind makes you feel and believe that it's true. That's why people say that even if it's not true, if you say it, you know, three times, you know, you you're gonna start believing it. like, oh man, really? Yeah, um, there was a quote by John Mayer. He said in this song, he said, if you own the information, they can bend it all they want. You know what I mean? So it's like, we've got, we've got to work through these false beliefs in our own mind that feel true. They're gonna feel true initially because that's already what we're programmed into. And so like actually going through the process of healing in a relationship is painful because you're already input, you're already given this false information and you feel like it's true. So you're, you know, you see the world in this, in this, in this form of view or this point of view, and then you're reinforcing it through your own behavior subconsciously. Uh, you're like, oh man, he's, it's called the Pygmalion effect. It's like, you're, um, you think somebody is stupid. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to start seeing them as stupid. Even, you know, you're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You're going to question them. You think somebody is, is, is smart. You're going to give them, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to give them more chances. You know, you're going to listen to them more intently, all that. And it's all based off of your own perception. And they alter, they're professionals at altering perception because once they alter your perception, they alter your reality. 
mm-hmm. they've been doing it, structuring it, and they teach it in your marketing classes. But they do mm-hmm. it on such a high level that like they can tell you that they're doing it and still get you. You know how like I remember there's this uh this 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 quick documentary on Larry Bird. He said he used to he used to tell people how he was gonna get them. He'd be like, Oh, I'm about to shoot this over over your head real quick. And he'd go and do it. White supremacy, they let you know. They're like, yo, this is how, this is exactly how you get somebody to do what you want. But the thing is, when we see it, we're like, nah, that's not the same thing. That's different. No, it's not. It's the exact same four or five point step process of of changing your mind. And now you actually believe that these black people are separate from you. You actually believe that. And, it, and so now, because they're separate, you don't have empathy for them. They can they can kill a whole bunch of them, and you just be like, "Well, that's you know what happens." Or 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 if they give you religion, right? They give they give you that Christian that that overall Christian, like, oh, they, they're uh, the reason why they they're they're oppressed is because they don't believe in the Lord. See, the reason why Haiti is going through is suffering like that is because they haven't given their heart over to God and, and really believe in that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember at one point I used to believe that. Like, oh mm-hmm. man, if, if they would just repent and turn to God, that's that's how deep and how sick this mind control and dark psychology that, that they use on us so that when we actually come together and we want to actually do something together, there's years and years of unlearning that we have to do in order to even have sit down at the table Uh, man that bro what you what you talking about bro you hitting on some points points bro so that so that that ties into like what i teach towards the end of my course and i'm gonna i'm gonna share this with the family man because um this this is on the house bro so I talk about the infinity stones of, of global supremacy. Right. And so I, I talk about um, as I get my screen together, I talk about all the areas of activity, um, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex and war. Um, and then I reframe those nine areas into six areas. Mm-hmm. And I put them in context of the Marvel comic universe and the infinity stones. We all know yeah. that when um when Thanos, he gets more and more powerful as he acquires the stones. But when he has all the stones, he has what? All power. All the power. And so when we look at white supremacy, global white supremacy, um, if global white supremacy was a person, it would be Thanos. And they, they control all areas of activity. They control all the stones. So I'll talk about all the stones in detail and they all represent something. And I talk about getting at, and I put them in order of, of attainability as, as I see it. And one of the things that you were talking about uh, is what I call a reality stone. And so um, let me let me get this up real quick here. Share screen. Bang, bang. So the reality stone represents the activity of shaping perception mm. and the vehicles of choice for shaping perception. What you said was dark psychology and violence. And I, I put violence in the power stone and that, oh. and I like that, but I'll also say your perception on a soft level is 
entertainment and education. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. Right, and so like, as strange as it may seem, our reality is relative to what we've been talking about all day, our education. Mm-hmm. What, what are we learning? What poison, what medicine or what poison are we taking in, right? Mm-hmm. So the more we learn, the more we change our mind on what we accept as true and how we interpret certain situations and essentially how we perceive the world, right? So even folks that have been listening to this conversation, you at this point, you heard the whole conversation, your perception has been changed just in this last 90 to 120 minutes and will continue to do so the more you live life and have experiences that remind you of what me and he has talked about. Mm -hmm. So when I say entertainment and education is a part of shaping your perception, what is entertainment? The definition of entertainment is to keep up to maintain, to keep someone in a certain frame of mind. And so the, the dark psychology that they're, that they're hitting us with, a lot of that comes from Hollywood and just the entertainment uh, sector, right? And so they're like casting spells and they're, they're brainwashing our kid. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they're putting commercials out. I noticed my daughter and my niece, man, they on their tablets, they're playing these games and they want to buy all these games and then get in the game and they want to buy all this extra stuff. And so they're turning my daughter and my niece into little consumers mm-hmm. that just want to spin, 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 buy, buy, buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reality is I, I'm going to have more fun if I can buy more things so I can do more in this game and achieve more things. So I, ha- I have to spend money to be able to do better. <laughs> in this game right so like our our perception is is formed obviously from infancy but all the way up through our life through our whole life and as what we've been talking about and what uh, miss uh, dr bello has been talking about is our education that that frames our perception the the media that frames our perception so by and large each day we choose what who and what will entertain us whatever we focus on will consciously or unconsciously affect our frame of mind, Mm -hmm. which will affect how you perceive the world. Mm -hmm. So so I always encourage folks, man, turn your entertainment into education and make your education entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I watched when it when it comes to watching Netflix, like I just watch documentaries because it's it's not and that's it's 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 true stories. Right. But it is told in an entertaining way to keep your attention. But I can still learn and be entertained. As opposed to watching and with all due respect to all the fans of Law and Order, watching Law and Order, which is just like super fabricated, kind of based on true story, but it's not fabricated and it's just not. But like. I got entertained and I actually learned something. Like last night I was watching a documentary about white boy Rick. You heard about white boy Rick? Uh, no, no, no. You probably heard in a rap song or something like that. So white boy Rick was a little uh, uh, white boy. He was 17 years old. He got arrested for moving cocaine or whatever. Okay. Um, but it was a big conspiracy because um, he was moving cocaine in the blackest of black cities in, in Detroit. Oh, I watched and, that uh, movie. I watched you watched that, that too? Okay, okay, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think I think I saw part of that movie or either a clip or something. Oh, it was it was a movie or are you talking about the, the documentary? 
I'm talking about the movie. I think the movie was with that one uh, dude. The, the, he's a white dude named, uh, oh my gosh. Um, uh, he's in all the black movies. Uh, Michael Rappaport? Huh? Was it Michael Rappaport? No, he's, he, he's, he's a Southern dude. Uh, he played in, um, he's in the Lincoln commercials. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Matthew McConaughey okay. is the father. He's the he uh, and, the, and the and the white boy is actually not white. He looks like a Puerto Rican dude, but uh, <laughs> they didn't want him to be white. That's funny. They're trying to protect him. Yeah, Pro but, protect the protection. But, but even yeah, that, I, see how <laughs> I saw. See, the, see I how they saw the, Huh? I think I saw the actual movie. I didn't see the documentary though. Oh, okay. I didn't even know they made a movie before. I just, I watched a documentary last night. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But long story less long. I'm just saying like, I try to stop watching movies so much because it's a, it's a narrative. It's more narrative driven, but the documentary, there's less, less poison. Okay. There's still okay. poison. There's still poison in the documentary, but it's more medicine, less poison, as opposed to just pure movie narrative. You got a movie about White Boy Rick, but then your mind—you hear the title White Boy Rick, but you're watching a Puerto Rican, so you don't think it's a white boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like that's that's how they that's how they get us, you know, with the, with the narratives and individuals um, that are not true to the actual story. But but yeah, man. So. Just, just an example of like turning your entertainment into education and make your education entertaining and all that. Um, so, do you, still get, do you still do any things where you're just like, you just, where you just veg out and you don't like? Oh, I mean, not not as much, but you know, I'll I'll watch some stuff with the kids, like watch Everybody Hates Chris or something. Like, I was watching that oh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, 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 just like just basic family stuff. But I'm just saying, like, you know, we have. We, we have choice. We have agency. Like we can subscribe to whatever we want to subscribe to and we can watch whatever of the thousands upon thousands of, you know, movies or shows on Netflix, Disney, uh, Paramount, Plus, whatever you want to watch. We all have choice. And so I just want everybody to be mindful of how much choice you actually have and how much of an impact and how much you can change your life on a daily basis just by changing your habits. And and once again, medicine, like what, what Dr. Bello said, medicine and poison is the same thing. It just depends on, they're just, they're similar in nature, they're different in degree, right? And so it just depends on how much you take it, mm-hmm. right? It, t- it depends on the frequency. So yeah, you can, you can, the poison is out there, but also if you take it in at a certain level, it becomes medicine. If you look at it a certain way, if you learn, if you're looking to learn from it and then apply it to your life, as opposed to just sit back and think that it's not affecting you when it's everything is affecting you, but just be mindful and monitor how it's affecting you and make sure you can use that information for your good and for your benefit and don't let it be to your detriment, you know, just because we're passively allowing it to to affect us and and we don't know. So that's that's all I'm saying. That's huge because what you said about that passive part, well, that's what we mm-hmm. talked about in the very beginning. It's like if if we don't realize where we're starting from, mm-hmm. we're just going to be products of yep. the system of white supremacy. If we don't take an active 
stance. And this is, I think, where, where I really felt like being woke is. It's not knowing this information. I knew, I knew there was, of course, I didn't know all the information, but, and I still don't, but I knew a lot of information about being black. I knew some, Af some information about Africa and African culture. I still wasn't woke. It really had to do with like taking an active stance of, of continually developing this area to, to move towards like a, this melanated consciousness. That's really where, where it came from. It's not like there's a lot of people that know more information than I do about a lot of different black African things that could tell you a lot, but they're, they're not actively moving in a direction to liberate their people. You know what I mean? And like, like just going through the motions will create an, an extinct African culture. Just putting it that way. We yeah. like going through the motions will, will move us into extinction. And yeah. that's what I believe fully. And so uh, I just can't, I can't do that. You know, I got all, all the things that my family and my grandfather, everybody's done for me to just stop right here and just say, yo, we just gotta, you know, we just gotta live with best you can do, you know, with your family and that, and you just gotta do what you can do for you. Nah, you gotta do more than that. And you're required to do more than that if you want a people. And you're gonna have to look back and you're gonna have to, you know, when you have great grandkids and you're not able to work no more, you're not able to get in the streets no more, you're not able to have that kind of energy, you're gonna have those questions that you ask yourself, what did I do during my revolution? Because this is a revolution right now. This is mm -hmm. absolutely a revolution mm -hmm. in the mind. And, and uh, you know, white supremacy is doing their, their, their best. And if we don't do something right now, then you know we're gonna have to deal with the consequences of, of, of laying down when we should have been standing up. And so yeah. And and um the consequences of not building. Mm. We're not building, you know. There's uh little movements here, little movements there, but there's not consistent construction. <laughs> like we are not building we talk about solidarity are we are we building it we talk about economic freedom we talk about generational wealth are we building it if you're just talking it if you're just pointing out what it looks like but you're not actively building it Exactly what you said, e, like we're on the clock. And one thing I talk about with, you know, infinity stones of global supremacy, I call it global supremacy because there's going to come a day when it's not white supremacy because they're on the clock, too. <laughs> but the but the next group in line for supremacy, it ain't white. Yeah, white folks already got it. They're, they're going to lose it. But it ain't us. It ain't black folks. So there's going to be another group that's going to be supreme. And when they become supreme, they're not going to have any guilt for what they did or didn't do for us. 
in the past based upon not restoring and not reconciling the past because they didn't put us in the position that we're in. The white folks put us in the position that we're in. But we didn't get what we needed from them. One, two, we didn't build while we were still soliciting what we want from them. Mm, mm. And so we're on the clock, 2030, 2033, 2035, when the world is automated and they don't need our labor, what do you think is gonna happen? Mm. We're already disproportionately affected in every area of activity. When there's no room for you to fit in certain areas, especially if you're economic, if you don't have that down, then what, what are you going to do? They're not just going to be nice to you just because you think this, this should be a level playing field. This is a competition and this is war and this is global. And if you're not building, if we are not building, if we're not working on ourselves, if we're not working on our family relationships and we're not building solidarity within small groups of people that we trust and that we love, if we're not doing that, like you said, E, we will be extinct. That's a fact. 2053, there was a report back in 2016, 2017. By the year 2053, the the net, what is it? The net, um, the net worth, the average net worth of black families will be zero. It's, uh, all, it's 2053. And that was before the pandemic. The pandemic has exacerbated the net worth of non-white people, specifically black black people in America. Mm. So our network net worth is already trending towards zero. It's at like 6,800 on average right now, or it was like in 2017. And it's lower now and it's gonna continually get lower more and more jobs leave and more and more automation arises. And so if we're not building, if we're not saving, if we're not investing, if we're not working together, work together and do all this stuff while it's relatively easy, because it's going to get dire in about five to seven years. And then by that time, if you start then, it's going to be too late because it's going to take time to do what you need to do. So I don't mean to scare y'all, but I want to be I want to be oh, as honest as us. Scare us because we keep waiting for the sky to park and uh, somebody else to to do that work for us. Yeah, we keep we keep looking for we keep looking for uh, for all kinds of saviors. And yeah. I'm like, yo, you have your relationship with your creator. I have mine. But you need to do your work. Do not yeah. do not don't don't be. Don't be waiting for don't be waiting for a verse to come and save you. You gotta mm. do this, man. We gotta do this. Like this is getting ridiculous. Like be hearing so much stuff, and I'm just like, yo, like our people have to come first. And I think Amos Wilson said that, you know, if you should never serve your religion, your religion should serve you, and right. it should serve your people. So. Yeah. If, if if what you believe don't do that, then you better you, you gotta leave it. 
that don't mean that your relationship with God is gonna, gonna go away. But make sure that but make sure that like you're not letting any of these mental uh, uh, forms of potential deception, don't let them anchor you into to keeping you not moving. You know, mm-hmm. not, not moving in a direction. Because that's what it is. A lot of these ideals keep us stuck. Mm-hmm. We, we would naturally be working together. That, that's not a hard thing in theory, right? But it's, yeah, it's not hard and it's not unnatural. It's like you said, it's natural to do that, to work with your people, to mm-hmm. love your people, to mm-hmm. have a love of self. But we've been socially engineered to be divisive. Not for our benefit, for the benefit of those that are socially engineering us. Yeah. Man. Bro, this this is a masterclass right here. This, man, you go you gonna hit it you gonna hit people with this? Yeah, man. We gotta we, we gotta hit him. We we gotta hit him with that fire, man. We on the clock, bro. We on the clock. Now, um for those that are looking for more of this in-depth on a consistent weekly basis with a group of like-minded folks. I do have a course called Know Your Enemy, The Evolution of Racism. Um, it's, it's professional development, but it's also personal development. You know, all these things that we're talking about, we take it into the workplace. We take it into just out in the world as we're entrepreneurs, as we're doing our side hustles. You got to know what you're up against. You got to know how to work with your people and you know, you got to know how to deal with others that are in- infected with the ideology of white supremacy and racism. And so, once again, if you don't know your enemy, come on, man. You might know yourself, but for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. So it's an eight-week cohort-based course. Um, I got only only got five spots left. It starts September 29th. So uh, go to EmmanuelWilliams.co, EmmanuelWilliams.co to learn more about it. If you want to sign up, email me directly, YPDevelopment2030 at gmail.com put course in the subject line just let me know and then i'll uh i'll give you a call put your name name and number i'll give you a call we'll talk about it and see if it's a good fit and we'll get you signed up um e any final messages any contact information socials website that you want to plug real quick yeah um also uh, you guys can go check out navigating whiteness.com uh, and um if you want to uh schedule some time with me. Uh, I'm a coach, interpersonal skills coach. Um, right now, we are just getting our uh, our, our cohort uh, together as well. So, if you do want to um, learn about the uh, free ebook for navigating whiteness, you can get that by going to navigatingwhiteness.com. Or if you want to get in our next session for the navigating whiteness six week course, you can do that as well at navigatingwhiteness.com. Show sure. how can they reach you on the on the socials and whatnot in uh oh email? uh so um IG Emmanuel Solomon 03 and then uh Facebook Emmanuel Solomon and uh, also uh LinkedIn Emmanuel Solomon as well. For sure. I forgot that myself. So uh, my personal IG Emmanuel E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L since S-I-N-C-E 85. Um, you can also um, search the Socks and Sandals page, Socks and Sandals podcast on there. Uh, and then on Twitter at SXSNDLS. 
uh, and anywhere else you google me or google the google the show everything will come up there so appreciate y'all for listening for watching for tapping in once again it's the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. holla at y'all next time grace and peace Thank you.